Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this episode of Why Not Both, we got to talk with Anjimali, who's an extraordinarily talented musician and lovely and kind person. I hope that you enjoy our interview. My name is Anjimali. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. My name is Pam. Radical. <laughs> Welcome to Why Not Both, where we have a modicum of social grace. <laughs> <laughs> I... I always forget to introduce myself for interviews and stuff, and I feel like that's rude, so I'm trying to remember. Oh, well, I didn't find it rude at all at this point, like, especially it's so, it's strange. Like, I don't know if you find this, but like over Zoom or sometimes even over chat, like there's almost this assumed intimacy because you're already in conversation that you're like, of course, this person knows me. Right. No, yeah, yeah, bet. That's a good point. I think my thing is just like, because my like my name is like not intuitive to pronounce, and then like sometimes people will I'll like forget to introduce myself, and then like somebody will like mispronounce my name, and they'll be like, oh, it's like pronounced like this, and they're like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, and I'm like, oh, it's okay, you know, like I get it, it's cool. Oh no, you don't no. know how to say it. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, it's cool. Oh. Not like Beyonce. I don't like expect <laughs> people to know, you know. <laughs> Will you say it again? Because it, it's such a lyrical name. And Jimily. And Jimily. I love that. And that's interesting that you said that because then not only do you then have to like reintroduce yourself, but then you're managing the person's discomfort around mispronouncing your name. Yeah, it's usually fine though. I'm like, I get it why they would feel bad, but it's like, it is cool. It's fine. Maybe in like five years, I'll be too fancy and I'll be like, how dare you? <laughs> But it's just, it's just, no, I'm just not, this is not the, it's not the vibe. <laughs> what may I ask of the origins of your name? Because it is, it, it just, it flows so nicely. It's really beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's in Chichewa, which is the native language of Malawi, which is another reason why I don't expect people to like be able to pronounce it. Cause it's just, it's just not English. Mm. But, um, let's see. It's yeah. So it's in Chichewa. The specific dialect is called Yao, mm -hmm. and it means denied. Whoa. Um, and the lore is that my parents wanted a son, and then when I was born, my aunt exclaimed, oh, Angemily, basically contextually denied a boy. <gasps> and they told me this story in like the fourth grade when we were doing a project for like, what's the story behind your name? It was like a fun project. And then they were like, so this is a story behind your name. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. I know. I was like, what? <laughs> that wasn't um, even words. I just, I don't even have words for that. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, WTF, mate. Um, but then over the years, I've learned to really like dig it. I really dig it. I dig the meaning wow. at least. It, it, it feels more um spiritually nuanced now that I have like learned that I am trans. Wow. And, and it feels like it gives more, it feels like more meaningful in some way. I was gonna say like, what a statement on identity wrapped in your name. Right? Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here making like the emoji of like mind blown. Uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Yeah, because a lot of what I end up talking about on this podcast is like our identities, especially when it comes to when we do multiple things and like when we're in multiple spheres, though, over the past year, it's been like, what's our identity when we're not being perceived, um, which is a huge one. Because um, people are starting to butterfly their ways out of quarantine in the US, at least some of them are, where yeah. all of a sudden, like, it's like a new person emerging. <sighs> Yeah, that is, uh, that's relatable content right there. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm fully vaxxed and I, uh, I went to Los Angeles last week for some on business. Oh, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, very stimulating. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> A lot of energy out here. So. <laughs> Had you been to my bizarre hometown yet before that or? <laughs> no, uh, or well, I had gone to like Redondo Beach to for my sister's wedding. And then I was there for like a day for like a random movie thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hadn't ever like traversed around the city. So it was super interesting. And it was just, yeah, socializing for the first time in a long time with new people was a uh, super cool and also very weird yeah and also you're right la does have a lot of energy which even when we're all tucked away in our little cubby holes like there still is just so much energy here yeah it was uh it was just it was just um so strange to be in a place that isn't boston because i've just been here <laughs> for so long so wow. yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, it was definitely a, a super interesting energy field. And yeah, it was I'm not used to being perceived. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, what was what was that experience like for you? Like I've been experimenting with being perceived again. Um mm -hmm. and a few days ago someone yelled at me from a passing car, "I love your skirt." And I was like <laughs> This is the only cat call that I will accept forevermore. <laughs> like... Yeah. That's, um, that feel, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Aggressive, positive affirmations about my clothing choices. Right. Just like cool. a nice comment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was yeah. your experience like? Um, it was, it was surreal because I went down I went down there to um meet with like producers. Mhm. Mm I'm going to start working on another album mm -hmm. this, at some point in this life and um <laughs> so it was kind of my my job was to go down there and like perceive others. Oh. And like get an energy read and see like would this be a potential collaboration? Like can I spend would I be able to spend um a lot of time with this person in an intimate setting. Yes. And do you trust them? Yeah. Can I, can I trust this person creatively and to a degree, like interpersonally and emotionally his recording as yeah. a, uh, you know, it's a, it's an intimate process and it's not like I need this person to like, you know, propose to me or like necessarily <laughs> read my diary, but I do need to trust their creative sensibilities and dig them as a person at least to a degree i so, agree yeah so it was super weird uh on my detective mission of <laughs> vibe checking <laughs> and being perceived in the process i was like ah <laughs> i forgot i have a body Yes. Sweaty. It's hot here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even maneuvering through space with a body is very strange again. Like, did you find, I saw one of my friends for the first time in months and I, I met him in my place and like he brought his girlfriend who like I hadn't met prior. And at one point he sat down next to me, which would have normally been like a super normal thing to do. Because mm -hmm. we're good friends, like he's my mixer, like we work together constantly. 
but he sat down next to me and we realized that we didn't remember how to like physically affection correctly. So he tried to like put his arm around me like a hug, but I didn't know what he was doing. And so I poked him and his girlfriend was just <laughs> watching us. Like, what are you doing? And like, <laughs> like both of us just like malfunctioned. <laughs> and, like, we oh my God. Cracking up. We were like, hurrah laughing. And she's like, so what's happening here? And we're like, don't ask, we'll figure it out. Well, it's fine. <laughs> oh my god yes yes exactly poking (laughs) i i think i hugged one person that i met and then everybody else we just kind of like made eye contact and like gestured with our arms you just started started at each other (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) did you find anyone that you did feel that you that you did vibe with for your album because that's so important having someone help you like shepherd your songs into being because that is intimate it's intimate in a different way than say like someone proposing to you but it's it it is a deeply intimate process yeah i i think i found a couple of potential candidates excellent and so we'll just see you know let's we'll see if if it was a love connection and um if these folks have time Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. there's some solid options on the table that I'm excited about. So I'm going to say yes. And it was unexpected. The per- Like the people who I ended up vibing with were not who I expected to vibe with. And the people mm-hmm. who I realized wouldn't be a fit, I expected to be a fit. So it was super interesting. interesting. It was cool. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting that you're getting to kind of like person again in that way because you're right sometimes you see people and on like on paper or I guess like on the internet you're like oh that would totally make sense and then you meet them and you're like me um and then yeah. it went the other way around yeah there was somebody I met who is the producer for my favorite band and um we met and like he's dope and and a cool and a totally I don't want to say capable producer because he's just fucking great mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. I realized that he wasn't what I was looking for. And yeah. I was like, I think this this fella is actually missing something that I didn't realize I needed in a producer, which is soul. Mm. I need some mm. sort of soulful focus. Got it. I was it. like, I don't think this is the man for the job, although he's certainly a, a dope man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, on or off record, I just had two people spring to mind that I was like, can I set you up on a producer date? <laughs> maybe i was like why is my brain like this Um, (laughs) right before the podcast i was chatting with a friend and then i was like oh i should meditate before i because i usually meditate before i do interviews so i can kind of clear my slate but a thought came up in meditation yeah i thank you um which was if i'm rising up i want to bring everyone with me um, was the thought that came up. And I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting thought. I will file this away for post-meditation times. Hmm. I fuck with that. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a nice little teardrop of wisdom. Um, because otherwise, I, I don't see the... P- I don't see necessarily the point, you know, of rising up unless there's some sort of equanimity and like community lifting involved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, what I was talking about right before I meditated was that a friend of mine wants to publish some of her writing. And I was thinking of who I could like connect her to for publishing. Um, and she was like, that's so amazing. Like, why would you even think of doing this? And I was like, because your writing's amazing. And like, it makes me feel good when my friends are actualizing things that they're passionate about. Like, it was almost like I had to stop and think about that. I was like, wait, like, why wouldn't someone do that? And then I was like, hmm, okay. I have to think about it from the opposite perspective so I can figure out why I am doing it. Yeah, I guess people don't do that. I mean, I guess people can do whatever they want, but yeah, that's, that's nice. I think there's something nice about like making connections if you can, and just like having the thought like, oh, these two folks are amazing. Just like the same way you introduce buddies. Yeah. Oh, this buddy would love this other freak of nature. I know. (laughs) 
Let's link it up. <laughs> yes, yes. And even like right before we started recording, you said that you were going to play music at a wedding. And I was just like, oh, that made me so happy because that means that people love each other and they want you to sing for them. And I was like, oh, right there. That's like all these connections that I'm like, yes, yes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I uh I love weddings. I love wedding food. Um <laughs> I love wearing tie. And I got all my gear set up. I like I got a music stand and a portable PA for this gig. Yes. I got a fucking I'm writing down lyrics and chords and stuff so i don't have to remember anything and <laughs> the music the music stand came with like a like a binder so i can put oh. my music in there like in laminated little sheets i was like what so yeah it's well, going that's down. convenient oh yeah i'm feeling so pumped huh yeah, i was just <laughs> like i was like oh give me one of those um but yeah being able to kind of like share in the joy in your community because I was actually when you said that about like essentially like when you rise up you bring community with you it's like oh how did that manifest in your life now I'm like tell me more about how that showed up for you well I think every kind of every like connection that I've ever made but especially in music has been the result of somebody else helping me. Mm. So I like to share information with other people as much as possible. Well, so basically like I was a music industry major at my college mm -hmm. and I like, I almost dropped that at college cause I was like, this sucks. I was an English major and then I met a bunch of music majors and they were like, you should probably not drop out of college. Why don't you just do music? <laughs> Like it. And I was like, I do like music. So then I switched my major and I learned a lot about stuff. And I'm I'm actually like I'm I'm super interested in like contracts and publishing and licensing and making yeah. sure that I understand what's happening with I don't know, my business basically. And um I find that like a lot of information is not publicly available mm. or necessarily easy to understand and so yes i like to like talk to my music buddies about like what what's going on with like contracts i'm like signing and like what the terms and and conditions and like stipulations are and stuff um to just like share that information because i feel like there's a lot of ways that people can be exploited and yes. yeah there's a lot of information that's not necessarily publicly available like is is this like record deal good or bad or like right. is publishing deal <laughs> cool or like whatever and so i like to talk to buds um yes. about that i had a nice call with my buddy Roz, who's like in a really sick band called nova one and mm -hmm. Writing info because they're like talking to a label and I have like label information to share and we were like kind of just comparing notes to make sure things are copacetic and like I don't want I don't want my buddies to be exploited so if I can share stuff I do that's a beautiful way to be a part of a community because you're right there's a lot of information that is I mean the word that came to mind was like kept but i don't know if you can even put that in the past tense yeah i think, <laughs> I think so it's just i mean i think it's kind of not too different from other industries we're just like like when i was working at an after school teacher it was like you know we're not really like encouraged to talk about how much each one of us is making necessarily yes and then once we had that conversation i was like whoa why am i making a dollar less than this motherfucker what the shit oh and you know it's not that it, it's not that employers are necessarily hiding that it's right. just considered like it's just socially considered weird to like talk about it because of capitalism and employers not wanting that information to be shared internalized capitalism exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, oh god, I, I hate that jingle I just sang. Um <laughs> but, yeah, because it makes uh it makes the implicit explicit when you actually then learn that your colleagues are earning more or less than you, and then you start to actually interrogate the systems in place. Yeah, I was like, that's some bullshit, son. Legit. I mean, that that job is whack, so <laughs> That's a hard job. And to know that like you're arbitrarily receiving less compensation. Yeah, I was like, hold up. Mm -hmm. Glad we talked about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in that in that same way, like um before I signed to father daughter, I was able to like kind of have conversations with other indie musicians and stuff who were kind enough to share their experience. Yeah. And before I started working with my manager, I hit up like a bunch of just like indie folks who i had never like t talked to i just like dm'd a bunch of people <laughs> i was like hey i'm I, i'm i don't know what i'm doing and i need help do you have any advice and a, and a right. bunch of people were like yeah here's here's how my relationships with managers have gone and here's what's been positive and here's what has not been positive right and it was like super critical info that i needed to make an informed choice and so if i like to give information about any Anything I've experienced in the, in the music industry, quote, yes. that might help other people. I think that that's incredibly valuable. I was talking with a lot of people actually last summer um, about like, even about activism in general, that it's almost mm -hmm. like a D&D &D party where you <laughs> people with different, <laughs> different skills, like, yes, you need a tank, but you also need a cleric and you also need, you know, yeah. it's you need all the different parts and to actually be empowered like you need to have knowledge um and that it's not because like every single manager or label is going to try and take advantage of you but you need that knowledge so that you go in on equal footing so that you understand what's happening exactly because like the father-daughter folks are like super awesome and i got a lawyer and like just negotiated some she just negotiated some term changes and it wasn't because it wasn't because they were like trying to put one over on me it's just because uh that's how negotiations work that's and literally I, and why I, there's a negotiation <laughs> yeah it's like that's what lawyers do it's like the father-daughter had the deal was in their best interest and i like made it so that it was a little more in my best interest and then it you know with the goal of getting it equal between both parties yes and yeah. that and what you said, I love that you used the word earlier, copacetic, that that's, that's a great word for that word. Neither, mm -hmm. neither is a villain. It's more just like, how can we work together that we're working in both of our best interests? Yeah. Like I have a, a buddy who I guess is no longer my buddy who like their way of dealing with other, like making, like their, their way with dealing with contracts and like music relationships is to like, they have, uh, they have such an extreme fear of being exploited because they have like had such negative experiences in the past, super mm -hmm. valid, mm -hmm. that they like frequently end up actually just like exploiting other people oh. and trying to negotiate for like un, what I would describe as like kind of messed up deals or relationships. And I've kind of always been like, oh, I don't know, man, that seems like weird to do. Yike. Well, that's, yeah. that can sometimes happen where like the thing that we either fear or dislike the most in other people, occasionally we uh, accidentally manifest in ourselves. Exactly. And they've been like legitly trauma tra traumatized by some whack shit. Yeah. And so it's a bummer that that cycle, you know, cycles of trauma yep. and stuff perpetuate yep. through our uh, bodies and our actions and stuff when unaddressed or unrecognized. Yes. And that... Oh, <laughs> I was like, that hits. Um, mm. Yeah, especially like we're all coming out of a period of, I don't know how to describe it other than like, I was talking to another person yesterday that we've around the world been playing lockdown hot potato, like crisis hot potato, where mm. it's like, we're coming out of these cycles of trauma um, and that currently things are going well in the US in regards to that. Um, but yeah. to acknowledge, like we were talking about earlier, of even being perceived by other people and practicing our perception, 
like we're coming out of like a kind of strange trauma. Yeah, it's messed up. Um, I saw an article title, but did not read it. Want to make that clear? <laughs> it was like people aren't. It was like people aren't addicted to masks. They're like traumatized. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. I'm gonna. I don't. You know. I'm gonna keep wearing my mask. There's other people around because I don't not want to because I'm scared and um, that's just how that is for me right now. Yeah, and like. <gasps> It's okay to have feelings about it. It's okay to not like feel comfortable with that yet. Like for me, that was too abrupt of a shift to just be like, well, I heard something this morning. So I guess I'll change my behavior that I've been doing for the last uh, 15 months. Yeah. That being said, the one thing I have changed is like, I like to go cycling. Yeah. It's my favorite thing to do. And I've been cycling unmasked and um, it's been pretty amazing. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I can like, breathe in and out and stuff oh my so god <laughs> it's so from, dope yes i went for my first mask free hike and so i feel you on that that i hadn't realized just how much i enjoyed that <laughs> mm -hmm. where you do you like to cycle sure. right um i like to cycle around the charles river and down i don't know if it's not downtown boston it's between boston and cambridge and it's like, I don't know, maybe 20 miles. Oh, wow. Um, between 14 and 20 miles, depending on how I feel like doing it. But yeah, it's great. It's it's a great trail. It's just like, it's a bike trail that's like away from the cars because there's like a highway around. The yeah. Bridge, so that's great. I'm like near pedestrians. So I'm like able to go fast and then once a pedestrian is nearby like chill a little bit and then when there's no pedestrians like go super fast <laughs> um so yeah it's super super fun that's my favorite that's my favorite thing to do period oh that sounds so beautiful it's been a nice pandemic activity to be like <sighs> it's been freeing even you know whilst masking cycled i like to hope that it's like improved my lung capacity or something i don't know i made that up but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you on that. I did feel really like powerful when I was going up the hill sans mask. I I did go faster. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And so I'm like, I don't know the science behind that. It might have been placebo effect, but like, I definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I fuck I with that placebo. It. I'm I dive into the placebo. I'm you like, know what? If you fake it till you make it and you're in the faking it, but you feel like you made it, I'm not going to question it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of like the benign placebo. Like if it, I'm just, yeah, if it makes me feel even better, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm so glad this worked. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> what a change. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that even pinged in my brain from when you were talking about switching from an English major to a music business major when your friends were like, maybe stay in college. Um, <laughs> it sounded like you did like make a switch that actually did really work for you. Um, but I was curious, like, had you been interested in music prior to that? Or was that just a, like, what happened there? Well, I've always had a love of music and like a, in a list as a listener and I've just always loved singing. I've, I grew up in choir mm. in school and um, when I was in middle school and high school, I kind of started, I, I became like a, a music historian for the music I was interested in. So I like got really into punk mm -hmm. and pop punk and ska. And then I got into like jazz. I just wanted to explore as many genres as possible to see what I liked. Oh, wow. So I got into like metal a little bit too to see if i was into it and mm -hmm. bumped some megadeth i actually do like megadeth but besides that not really my thing <laughs> but i like punk metal and then yeah i got into like jazz and duke ellington and stuff and that was in conjunction with like i used to be super i got super into old movies in the eighth grade awesome because um, i saw it's a wonderful life on like abc or something and it made me cry so much oh. and i decided to it then kind of changed my life a little bit because I think I was had depression in high school and middle school. Yeah, I definitely mm -hmm. did. And that movie made me feel some sort of like hope that perhaps it was a wonderful life. 
So then I started watching. I watch all of Jimmy Stewart's movies, mm-hmm. and he's got this one movie called Anatomy of a Murder, and Duke Ellington is in it. <gasps> and I started listening to Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong and like Glenn Miller because Jimmy Stewart also is in a movie called The Glenn Miller Story. Wow. Um, so I was super into that shit for a while, and then. In high school, a friend, a friend of mine who I now recognize was a hipster introduced me to indie. She like made me a mixtape, and I was like, "Wow, this is dope." <laughs> and then I started listening to like you know fucking Neutral Milk Hotel and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've always been like a lover of music, a purveyor. I got super into Animal Collective, who I still love, and Vampire Weekend, and all that shit. And um, and then I I started writing the summer before I got to college because I was grounded <laughs> um, for like drinking on my parents' alcohol. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it, I, I'm i sober and I was not at that time, little kid just uh, kind yeah. of working through my addictions and anyway, yeah, so I drank on my parents' alcohol and they were like, hmm. So I was grounded for that summer and I, you know, couldn't have the Kai couldn't like hang out with my delinquent buddies so i mm-hmm. at that point i had been playing guitar for a couple of years and i um just started writing because i kind of had nothing else to do and and then once i got to college i started playing at open mics mm-hmm. and um i used to do like a cover of like say it ain't so by weezer and <laughs> maybe some other shit and people like liked it and i was like oh shit hmm. and I started playing like original songs and people like liked that too and I was like huh and then I uh, I met this guy named Eric at one of the open mics and he was like you're amazing we should jam mm-hmm. and I was like totally but really I was like I don't know how to do that actually <laughs> um so then I I, I met uh, two friends who I would consider like two of my like musical soulmates oh. at maybe a party or an open mic or something and we started we had a series of like jams together mm-hmm. um, wherein we, I don't know what happened. I would describe it as a, as a spiritual experience mm. where, wherein my buddy explained the concept of modes to me. Yeah. And then it made me able to jam. It like unlocked my relationship with my guitar. Wow. In a critical way. And then we like recorded all of the jams. It was like three nights and mm-hmm. we just wrote music together mm-hmm. in a very lockstep, like it was just something I had never experienced. And I was like, whoa, I think I do this now. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of that, that experience coincided with my increasing lack of interest in my English major. Got it. And I was also just like drinking a lot and smoking a lot of weed and like not, I just started caring about school less and less. And um, Mm -hmm. the only thing that I was able to give any focus or attention to was music. And so it kind of became like a, so yeah, it it, it was kind of like my only choices then became like dropout or changed to music because I was like I'm not I mean I wasn't I stopped going to class yeah um and I just like really stopped giving a shit and um so I just you know I changed my major without telling my parents <laughs> and then I told them and they're like why did you do that and right. I was like I wanted to yes and I think I needed to and I think I would have dropped out of college otherwise because I just uh with my English major, I was like turning stuff in late and getting good grades. And that just actually made me feel worse. Yep. And I was like, this, I feel like I should have to try. And this, is, it was just like yep. demoralizing. So, and I could see everybody else, like they seemed to be learning about things that interested them. And I was mm-hmm. like, what am I doing here? Um. So then I switched to uh, to music and it changed changed everything and um and i started learning new shit and it was great and i like took a songwriting class and that was awesome i took like a fundamentals of music class and like we talked about whatever like rhythm and 
tonality and a bunch of other shit, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. And I was like, I get to do this for school? Yes. And then it became fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I love how you described, by the way, I don't know what, what to call that? it. I, I loved how you described what, it's something that I would maybe describe as like, oh no, gifted child, where it's like, you're naturally good at mm. certain things. And so therefore, they're actually not that interesting to you because they're not challenging. They're not novel. There's like, you're like, oh, well, I turned this in late and I didn't even try and I still got a good grade. And it almost actually feels more depressing. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I really, I, I love, I've, I've always loved writing and poetry. And I was like an English class kid. Mm -hmm. Like, love, like me and my English teachers, we were, we always, we just like loved each other. And I just loved like Shakespeare and fucking Thoreau and all that bullshit i actually really liked it a lot yeah and so i was passionate about writing and um my passion for writing remained but my interest in the subject matter waned and i just thought that my my english professors i thought i wanted to be an english professor but my english professors were really pretentious and boring yikes and one of my prof yeah one of my professors was just like just a gross part i mean i just thought it was, <laughs> i thought he was like a gross like he was always like <laughs> like making like noise, nose noises i think he just had like a nose thing but... i was like did he have some sort of like nasal problem <laughs> yeah i think he just had a nasal issue but um he was just like there was there was only one right answer in our analysis oh, of what? literature yeah exactly and i was I like literature works i was like hold up if i wanted one right answer i would be in math class which i yeah. hate <laughs> um, so that That's shit like, we were all just like what the fuck is this man like come on no like even if the answer is off base can we like talk about it you know <laughs> isn't that what analysis is it was just like there was no um there was no flexibility in our critical analyses of the work that we were studying and it was like it was like keats and yates and like i don't know ozymandias and shit and like long ass poems yep yep and i was like really there's 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 nothing more than what you're saying in this long ass poem like <laughs> there's really nothing more to 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 to, to get out of this fucking 20 nothing page. more here <laughs> so yeah like you were talking about even as a teenager like kind of looking for parts of yourself reflected in film and in music and in different things that sounds like you were seeing uh none of yourself reflected in in the experience you're describing here <laughs> yeah my teen years were a you know constant you know it was i was always just looking for me and finding pieces of me in music and literature and film and yeah when i i i didn't want to i didn't see my self in this work and I, I didn't see a career that would bring me any sort of joy at all and the prospect of spending the rest of my life doing something i hated it felt um it felt like a trap it yeah. felt like something i had to do and um and that was rough because <sighs> you know in college they're like you need to know what you're gonna do for the rest of your life at age 19 and i was like oh shit, i don't know man like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I, I'd like to tell my younger self, you know, actually, no, it's cool. It's actually cool. <laughs> like, yeah. you can figure it out. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we don't often give ourselves space to figure it out. And also, like, some people are given more space, obviously, societally than others to kind of explore and be like, oh, well, what do I want to do? Whereas other people are just like, oh, my God, no, you have to figure out right now. Yeah, and like my my parents are Malawian immigrants, and they emigrated to the U.S. in the '80s. And my dad's mm -hmm. a doctor, and he got a medical degree in Malawi, and then he got and then he came to the U.S. and got another one. Oh wow! Um, and my mom's a computer programmer and does like code and shit. Yep. And so you know they were like, you need to get a, a real job here. We are doing stuff. We're doing real jobs. 
and they were like, okay, professor's a real job. And they were like, musician, not a real job. Not a real job. And honestly, in retrospect, I get it. I could right. see why they would be concerned about that. Yeah. And I was like, trust me, I'm really good at it. And they were like, mm. <laughs> And I think that that's also valid because I wasn't really and it's been funny now with this like indie career to be like when my when my debut came out i was like sending my dad like check out this npr interview and this rolling stone piece and like this wall street journal thing and he was like oh shit yeah he's like oh this is legit he was like these are national publications <gasps> and i was like yeah dude i uh i'm pretty i'm good at this yeah I do this now this is my job yeah and that, that overlay of especially, I was thinking about that, like the difference between coming from, say, a family that's in the entertainment industry or like, you know, a family that's been here for generations, things like that. That's a very different experience than your parents are like, no, we came here and really had to put so much intention into what we're doing. Like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, did we invest all this time for what? <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, the entertainment industry is unclear. I yeah. think you have experience. They're like, how could you possibly, like, what are you talking about? Like, Britney Spears? And I was like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> no, just an indie artist making a living, building a career touring and you know i mean and then i had to figure i was like wait actually how do how what how do i do this <laughs> yeah 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 so that's what i've been figuring out for the last like i don't know since like 2017. there you go yeah i mean <laughs> have you it's interesting that you're framing it that way because that's i think that a lot of people when they're saying oh i want to be a musician people do think of like the britney spears or i don't know how many people have asked you like oh my god have you tried out for like the voice like you really should like things like that where people will say things like that about being a musician because their image of a musician is like the two people that they hear on the radio and you're like do you know there's like so many other ways to be a musician <laughs> like, yeah i even, even when i was younger like i've i've always had like a a, a vision that has been vague and it's been getting more specific as I get older. Cause I, I remember my parents being like, you should out for American Idol. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't want to sing someone else's songs. And I was like 12. <laughs> right. right. And I was like, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do, but I know that I don't want that. And I was like, also, I don't want to be on TV. Right. You know? And right. like, those things are still true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then as I learned more about music stuff, I could like tell, I was like, I feel like these people are being exploited in some way and I'm not interested in that. Right. I was like, I don't want to sign a weird contract. Like age 30. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was learning, I was learning about like, you know, like I was doing my music history and learning about like Elvis's manager and like yes. all of these famous people getting fucked over. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want that no no and like the fact that then looping back to what you're saying that you empower other people with this knowledge so that people can have a music career because we do live in a society where we do have to currently make money to people mm -hmm. um uh and so it's like okay how to actually help people do that because yeah you could have fame but it's almost like that meme of like, awake, but at what cost? <laughs> like... Yeah, I've just always kind of been like, you know, I, at a certain point, I think it was like when I started listening to Sufjan Stevens and like mm -hmm. the eighth or ninth grade and, you know, people in my car, I'd be like, oh, you, do you want to like be famous? And I was like, I want to be critically acclaimed. And that was like... <laughs> That was what I decided. And I, I, I have been thinking about fame actually lately. Cause like on the, you know, off chance that that would ever be a possibility. I've been trying to figure out what would be the actual benefits to that. Yeah. For me. Um, and I've never been able to figure out what they would be. Hmm. And I think that's why I have not as great an interest as I possibly could have. 
Yeah. Because, like, you know, say it's like Bieber, you know, people like come to his house and put cameras in his windows and shit. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want people to bother me. Right. And I still don't want to be on TV because I don't want to be, I don't want my physical form to be perceived. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) And I'm getting used to it, but it's not really like, I'd rather not unless it's, I get really uncomfortable at photo shoots and stuff. I'm working through it. It's cool, but it, it is not, it's not intuitive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if in this capitalist society, what I need is money and fame doesn't necessarily grant that. No, it grants so, something else entirely. So if people are just looking through my windows and shit and I'm broke, I would be really pissed off. <laughs> You're like, this is actually a plethora of things I do not want. Yeah. So if fame was in some way able to help relate to like my financial security, then that would be um, something to consider. But I don't know. Right. You know. Like I was reading an article about how Kim Kardashian was like talking about how she wanted to be famous. Yeah. And I'm like, that makes sense. She's like very pretty <gasps> and rich. Yeah. So what else are you going to do? Yeah, that's that sounds cool. I get that. But it doesn't feel like that makes sense for me. That doesn't seem to relate to, to my reality. So and you were saying and it about- does. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. No, no. Go on. When you were saying like about, you know, people like observing you in a way, whether it's on TV or people pursuing, you know, pursuing you or even taking photographs of you, it pinged also in my brain. It's basically how my brain works. It's like a little galaxy of pings. Um, Sick. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, What you were saying even about your name and how you were initially perceived even coming into the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot to reconcile. Yeah. And I think maybe that's another potential benefit to fame is to just being perceived by people who are like me so that queer black people can be like, hey, there's another one. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, I didn't see that uh, anywhere. Yeah. And then, you know, it. I didn't, you know, I father daughter introduced me to the artist Beverly Glenn Copeland. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that he existed. And I was like, are you telling me there's like a black trans like alternative artist? who has been making music for like 50 years? Who, where the fuck, what? Yeah, you're like, what? Did, why did no one tell me? And you had done a deep dive in a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. So yeah. If, if, if some sort of, if my relationship to fame would, I like, I don't know. Yeah, visibility I think would be kind of tight, and that's kind of that's kind of why like mm-hmm. my records have my face on them and shit. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a music video for a song called "Baby No More," and it's just like me dancing <laughs> for the whole song. Amazing. And being a weirdo, and you know, I it's not like I can watch that video. I'll die. It is yeah. so <laughs> so embarrassing, and uh, it makes me so embarrassed. Yeah. But it's like cute and sweet. I watched it once. I was like, this is so sweet and cute. Yeah. And look, there's black joy. Like, I want people to see that. And I especially want black people to see that. So, you know, not all heroes wear capes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, that that struck in me. I was reading uh, Pleasure Activism and reading some of the mm. essays in that about like just embodying and empowering yourself by experiencing pleasure because that is what we are denied. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even just that you made that, even if you can't watch it yet, even you watched it the once, 
which I'm like, oh, good, good work. Um, <laughs> but knowing that you made that and knowing that other people can then witness that joy and maybe find a spark of that in themselves, because that's important to see. Like when you don't see that in the world around you, it's hard to imagine that you can embody that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I don't need to watch it. I was there. Yeah, I had a good time. And that's kind of how I feel about my music, too. Once, you know, the mix, once the masters are in, the track list is set. I don't need to listen to that anymore. Yeah, you already I, made it. I don't really want to. It'll make me feel embarrassed or self-conscious. But when other people, you know, are like, hey, this, this has meaning for me. Like, I yeah. get a lot of really sweet DMs from queer folks and queer and trans folks and non-queer and trans mm -hmm. folks. So we're like, hey, your music makes me feel like I can't exist. And like that's literally i couldn't imagine that's a that's a result beyond my wildest dreams so yeah that's beautiful that's that's so much more powerful than any kind of fame that we're talking about like that kind of an impact when you connect with someone and they feel that it's okay that they exist in the world yeah i like i did an instagram takeover for cave town mm-hmm and like a lot of his fans are just like baby queers. Mm -hmm. And so I've like gotten a bunch of DMs from like, you know, the youth. Who yes. are just like, thanks for being trans. And I'm like, you're welcome. Oh. Go ahead, kids. Oh. Like, go ahead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I think of my friends that did transition when we were younger and there really weren't people to look towards because it was like okay well you can transition now but what happens to you later what does this look like not right now <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so seeing my friends that are now in the community that are like you know like in like their late 30s and early 40s and things like that where it's like having having representation to be like oh because so many people i don't know if this happened to you but so many people uh were told that it was like a phase or that it was trendy and i was like what like i remember being so baffled by that reaction mm -hmm. like when my friends came out as trans that like people would be like it's a phase i'm like who would put themselves through this phase what are you, what on earth are you talking about yeah i uh so my my mom is just fully homophobic and transphobic and i don't have a relationship with my parents uh mm -hmm. right now as a result and like yeah i remember her like it's just like stuff like it being a phase is just too foolish for me to like stomach like i just can't it's like i don't even have the energy to roll my eyes at it you know it's like yeah. oh, it just doesn't make any sense does it brother no and it's like oh. it's weird and like uh, it's 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 even if it was a phase what would that have to do with like that that the announce the announcement of that realization yeah like, maybe for some folks it is a phase like i i don't know someone is allowed to have a phase and also someone is allowed to announce something without it being characterized as a phase you know like gtfo yeah like why punish someone for exploring themselves <sighs> yeah people are scared of other people being themselves i think yeah that... I, think the, I think in the case of my mother i felt she's like super religious mm. so i think she perceived my identity as like a threat to hers oh i'm so and sorry I'm like, you know it's eh, i i I'm not sure that I am. It's kind of been better not to have her in my life. Well, no, it definitely has. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd just rather be who I am. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause I like, I talk about being trans in interviews and stuff and well, I appreciate, I appreciate it. And I understand it. Folks are like, yo, you're like so strong for like being queer in public. And I'm like, first of all, thank you. Secondly, I'm not, I guess I do have a choice, but like I've lived the other choice and it's yeah. untenable. Yeah. It's, uh, hellish. Yeah. And 
I fully believe that, like, before I got sober, my life was a living hell because I made it that way. Mm-hmm. Because I was just, like, in the throes of addiction. And now, mm-hmm. as a sober person who was, like, happy and queer and trans and, like, whatever, who else? Who knows what's going to happen later? Um, I feel like if I had the capacity to, like, make my life a living hell, then I have the capacity to make it heaven. Mm. And there is, there's no hiding in heaven. There's nothing to hide in heaven. Oh, I love that. I was like, I have no follow-up. I just want to sit in that. And like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like I'm like fucking enlightened or anything. Like, I have issues. <laughs> I have issues and they are, you know, I have therapy, got a sponsor in my recovery program. Like I have a support system to help me so that I can like just keep moving forward in this world with compassion. Yeah. And empathy and like some at least some a modicum of self-awareness <laughs> <laughs> well and i think that it's important to recognize that no one does this alone there's a support crew and there's no shame in a support crew if anything like i encourage people to both have a support crew and be a part of someone else's support crew yes it is a is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to like show up to support my friends today just because I remember when that was something I did not have the capacity to do. Yeah. And it feels nice to be able to be like, yeah, bro, like I got you. Like you want a glass of water? Exactly. <laughs> figure this out, son. <gasps> We're going to get there. Yeah. yeah. Cause showing up for other people, like in a way it's, for me, at least, it feels sometimes as good, if not better, than showing up for myself. Like, showing up for myself is sometimes harder, frankly. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's something that took me a long time to realize, how, that helping other people feels great. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I encourage people when when they're scared to reach out for help. I'm like, but then not only one, you, you get help, but also you give someone else the opportunity to help you. And that feels really awesome when you're able to help someone and you can see that you've like been a part of affecting change. You're like, Oh, oh this is great. <laughs> like, yeah. Therapists must love that shit when their clients grow and they're like, yeah, yeah. Can I, I tell you, that. can I tell you a secret? Sure. My day job is that I'm a therapist. Cool. <laughs> Why is that a uh, secret? <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I was like, you have not met me before. Um, oh, ha, oh <laughs> got you. I thought you were going to say something buck wild. I'm going to be honest with you. That's hilarious. Um, I'm not sure what was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! I'm a compassionate person professionally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, go on. <laughs> yeah I started uh, I started doing therapy as like an adjunct to music stuff because it's like sometimes I make money making music and sometimes I like don't so I was like yeah. well I like teaching people I already did that I did tutoring and stuff so I was like oh well I already know I like helping people and people just tell me stuff so what else can I do so yeah started on that path and over the course of the pandemic i now have literally like a team of therapists which is crazy like i never anticipated that i'd run like a group practice but it's been amazing oh my God. yeah that's amazing um, yeah it was kind of wild like i i mean there's for lack of a better way of saying it there's a great need for mental health care right now um, <laughs> And so, and there is only one Pam. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I now have an awesome team of therapists. Um, But yeah, like it is really cool to see what happens throughout clients' experience. And like, it's so sad because like there's a few of my clients that like, um, that I'm terminating with to actually pass on to some of my associates that have like different specialties and different stuff so that I can then like supervise more and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's this feeling, even as a therapist, like terminating with a client, even when it's like the appropriate time, because you're like, I am passing you on to the next person and or I am setting you free into the world where you're like, well, but I'm so invested in the story now. Like, look at how much has changed. I want to know what mm-hmm. happens next. Like, oh mm-hmm. my God, we got to do so much good stuff together. <laughs> like, it's like, 
<laughs> it's really exciting seeing like where someone was and where they're going um so like yeah i mean maybe there's some therapists that like aren't stoked on this at which point i'd question why they're in the profession um but like <laughs> but yeah that was a really long way of saying uh oh. yes therapists do get really excited when they can see change in their clients and when they see growth and when they know like that they're part of that and even though it's bittersweet <laughs> To be like fly my birds oh <laughs> now i'm just feeling super tender about my therapist oh she's really clutch and she's been helping me like through my indie journey yeah <laughs> and like helping me realize that like my career my life is shifting yeah in a huge way as, now that i'm like an entertainer yeah and then beginning to experience like i would say like maybe material success and opportunities yeah. that i never thought would actually kind of be real yeah yeah and it's been it's been so nice <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that she's there to hold that space for you because since she's outside of the music industry um, and outside of any sort of personal involvement in your development, other than just like that she's your therapist. Yeah. Um, that's really beautiful because there is a lot of identity that's tied into the art that we make. And then when that gets rolled into like opportunities and then relationships and then changing roles in society, that can be a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's just, it's why I like, like my girlfriend is a, she's a mechanic. Mm-hmm. And she's like a music lover, but she's like not at all a hipster uh -huh. or an indie person in any way. And it's really so dope <laughs> um, to just have that as a reminder that like this community, there's just, it's just, a, it's just one of many communities. Like when my debut came out, I was like, ah, oh, babe, like I'm waiting for this pitchfork review. I'm so stressed out. She was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> What did you say? What did you call me? And I was like, oh my God, you're right. This is stupid. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, the almighty pitchfork reviews. That's like literally sometimes I'll be working on stuff with my friends and like one of us will say to the other, like, so what would the review of this be like on pitchfork? And we'll make up like imaginary pitchfork reviews for like what we're actively working on. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, like it um, sounds like the ambiance of a late 1930s bathtub, but is seen through the eyes <laughs> of a prehistoric barista. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or like, have I don't know if you've ever worked with anyone that has been reviewed on Pitchfork and then they like get angry about their reviews on Pitchfork because that's really fun. <laughs> yeah, my um, yes, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rite of passage to get through like remembering even, hey, why am I making stuff? <laughs> 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 The end result of this is not a pitchfork review. Yeah, it was a big like mirror pep talk moment. Like, hey buddy, what do you win this for? Exactly. Why do you make art? <laughs> and what's the deal? What? Is art your whole identity? Is it is it your whole life? And the reality is no. I do not want art to be my whole life. Uh or my whole identity. Nope. It's a, uh, it's a part of my life. Uh, you know, cycling is my identity. <laughs> <laughs> my bicycle is my life. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's like, that's like the perfect note to end that on. It's just like, just so you know, plot twist. <laughs> bicycle is my identity. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. You've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are so welcome.
Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.